everyone. Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And, and do we have anything we want to get into before our coffee review today? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. My life hasn't been very exciting. Do you no. have anything? <laughs> no, I just had something really funny happen at the nail salon, though, and I was trying really hard not to laugh. Okay, say it. So the lady, you know those tools that they use to, like, smooth out your nails? Yes. The lady was doing that to mine, and she wears, like, a latex glove when she does it, and the glove got caught in the tool. Oh, my God. It, like, spun up around the tool, and it got all stuck, and she had had to turn the tool off (laughs) to get it off and stuff. But then I was, like, concerned for her because I thought maybe she caught her finger with it. And I was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And then her and I both started (laughs) laughing but, like, holding it in. Was she like all flustered when it happened? Yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny, but at the same time, I was really concerned for the well being of her finger. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Other than that, I just wanted to give a little shout out to mom and to Ashley because they have donated to Drew's GoFundMe so far. Thank you guys so, so much. I mean, it's just, it's going to a great cause and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Kelsey, do you want to brief everyone on the fun again, just in case they hadn't heard the past like four episodes? Yes. So the GoFundMe is for Drew Molinari. We did an episode on him. I think it was episode 20, correct? Yep. Yeah. And so this this GoFundMe basically is going to be for putting up the billboard for Drew Molinari. So um, it's basically to get information out to other people in the area that don't know about his case because his murderer was never found. And his mom is trying to put up a billboard to kind of keep the word out. So um, our goal is $500. Mm-hmm. So please, 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 if you can donate and our li- the link to that is in our bio on the link tree in our Instagram. Yeah. And I've also been posting stories. I've been trying to do it almost every day, but without being too annoying about it, <laughs> even though it is something to be pushy about. Yeah, it's very, very important. Yeah, I've been putting the link itself in the Instagram story where you can just click the link right there to access it. Yeah, so please, if you can, just check it out and donate if you are able to. I know Drew's family will really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And anything else or you want to get into our coffee? Let's get into the coffee. Okay. So this coffee, so sweet. It was gifted to me and Bryn from my sister, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. We love you. We love you so much. We hope you're listening naked in the tub right now. (laughs) Yeah, naked Jamie. (laughs) She's going to kill me. Um, (laughs) So so she gave us some K-Cups from, I think she said she got them from Big Lots. But do you want to say the brand name because you have their website up? Sure, yeah. The brand is Victor Allen's Coffee. Their website is victorallen.com. And right when you go on there, they have a bunch of K-Cups displayed. They have all their information on there. We're not going to get too in-depth with it because we typically try to save that for the coffee companies that send us stuff. But I can provide you guys with their Instagram as well. Their Instagram is Victor Allen's Coffee, and it says they're located out of Wisconsin. Yes, and um, she knows us so well. She got us a couple different flavors, but one was hazelnut, which is Uh, my favorite. So good. Yeah, um, so that's the one we're going to be drinking tonight, and we'll do another review of the other flavor she got us a different night. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I am, I don't know, I really like this coffee. Maybe it's because I just woke up from an hour slumber and I needed it really bad. Oh, you had that power nap. That hits. It's so funny because I like woke up from the nap and I was like, oh my God, I just took a nap so I could go to a 9 p.m. movie. What in the world? One so day you I become, could stay up. One day I become so fucking old. I guarantee you, Carson still curls up in a little ball and falls asleep. Yeah. So I bought the tickets with their as like the recliner chairs. Yeah. And he goes, "You're not gonna want to do that." 
Carson makes himself right at home. He does. He curls up in the fetal position and will pass the fuck out and like drool. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hopefully he doesn't do that because he napped as well. So we're prepped for the movie. Oh my god! And was I it one of those phone. like naps? I think one of my brothers was talking about this the other week. It actually might have been Carson. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But one of them was mentioning those naps that you would take when you were little. <laughs> And you would fall asleep and you would wake up and you wouldn't know if it was six o'clock at night or six o'clock the next yes, morning. That was Carson. And it's so true. That's the nap I had. Oh, that's nice. With like the bed sheet marks on my face. It was great. Oh, so good. <laughs> Gotta love those. Uh, yes. So um I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get into the coffee. Okay. Um, so it's I really like this coffee. Of course, I love hazelnut. I did not put hazelnut creamer in it today, actually. But Ooh, I um, did. Did you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Not too much. So right off the bat, I would say definitely can taste the hazelnut flavor pretty strong, but it's not overwhelming. Like it's not artificially, you know, strong in, in a bad way. It's, it's in a good way. Although it does say artificially flavored on the K-cup. Does it really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's not that chemical-y taste. Yeah, it's, it doesn't taste very artificial to me. I think it tastes really good. Um, I don't know what I would rate it. Do you want to talk about what you think? I think one of the first things I have to point out that I noticed when I when it was brewing was it was really, really strong smelling. Yeah. Like right away I smelt the hazelnut and I was like, ooh, this might be a good cup of coffee. Yeah. I think it's also really smooth. There's no bitterness to it. And it's just – I think it's easy to drink is a good way to describe it. It's really good for, like, a store-bought coffee. Yeah, agreed. For, like, one of those on-the-go K-cup pickups. Yeah, I'm going to rate this one a 7. I concur. I concur. We need to get (laughs) that on, like, a hat or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I forgot to mention, Julie, one of our listeners, um, reached out to me and she said, you guys really need to get your quotes on like mugs or hats or something like that. And oh my gosh, I have to pull up which one she said because I was cracking up. Perfect. We've been waiting for this moment. Yeah, I can't believe I you didn't send this to me. I know. I totally forgot. I think I fell asleep after. <laughs> I think um, it was mom who had said we need to put I can care. On a yes. Mug. Yes. Also, um, while Kelsey's looking for that, another quick shout out to listener Hannah. She reached out today with a really sweet message to us and also suggestions for the future that we are going to try our best to do once we have a little more time on our hands. So I'm not going to go too much into what she said, but it was really sweet. Again, we've pointed this out in other episodes to hear from you guys and have that engagement from you guys and to know that you're listening and you're enjoying it. Yes, <laughs> and that thank we're you not so too much. Fucking annoying, and that we're just not talking into a mic. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that too. Yeah. So I'm gonna read word for word what Julie said because I was cracking up. She okay. was, "Listen, I think you need hella merch with your common phrases. Like that's disgusting, and I'm gonna throw up." <laughs> <laughs> so basically, us just being repulsed. Yeah, over by humans, disgusting people. <laughs> love it julie thank Thank you you. yeah (laughs) all right you ready to get started yeah so grab your coffee and have a morning with us so our this episode today is a little bit different from our normal this is another alien episode so get get amped all right (laughs) get on that fucking spaceship and buckle up as we've said (laughs) all right so this story that we're going to be talking about is the Rendlesham Forest incident. So there were sightings of unexplained lights and they were thought to be like UFO or extraterrestrial related, of course. This took place on December 26th and December 28th of 1980. And the location was Suffolk, England. This happened outside of RAF Woodbridge, which is the Royal Air Force Woodbridge. Two former military bases were actually near this forest, RAF Bentwaters, which was north of the forest, and RAF Woodbridge, which goes into the forest from the west and is bounded by the forest on its northern and eastern edges. 
So if you're geographically challenged, just forget what I just said. Same. I'm, <laughs> I looked this up and I'm now trying to repicture it in my head and it's just not there. Yeah, no. Um, I, I'm like, east. Wait, east, west. Okay. RAF Woodbridge was described as a quote unquote World War II era military airfield. Dear God, that Tongue was a And that was a quote from history.co.uk. At the time, both stations were used by the United States Air Force. And the events occurred in, like I mentioned earlier, Rendlesham Forest. So we're going to get into the timeline. December 26, 1980, around 3 o'clock, security patrolled near the east gate of RAF Woodbridge saw lights descending into the Rendlesham Forest. And we all know that's never a good sign when lights descend into a forest. No. And just to clarify a bit, we want to point out that Kelsey said three o'clock. In no articles did it state a.m. or p.m., but from what we could gather, we're thinking it's a.m. Yes, because it was in the middle of the night. It was dark. It was dark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, they thought, you know, maybe it was an aircraft that crashed. So the U.S. Air Force servicemen went into the forest to investigate kind of what was going on. Deputy Base Commander Lieutenant Colonel Charles I. Halt reported the sighting, although his memo to the U.K. Ministry of Defense stated that December 27th was the date of this. So just kind of keep that in mind. In this memo, he described, quote, a glowing object metallic in appearance with colored lights. So kind of like the generic UFO that people describe. Mm-hmm. The men went towards the object and then it moved through the trees. After this, it was stated in the memo that, quote, the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy. Oh, my God, that's scary. That is really scary. That was one of the scariest parts <laughs> of this whole thing, I think. Could you fucking imagine just like a bunch of sheep just like going wild? And horses whinnying and kicking up in the air. Yeah. Oh, no. That would be really creepy. So this memo became known as the quote-unquote Holt Memo. This memo became public in the United States in 1983 under the U.S. Freedom of Information Act. Quote, the memorandum was dated 13 January 1981 under the title Unexplained Lights. The two-week delay between the incident and the report might account for errors in the dates and times given. So that was a Wikipedia quote, just so you kind of understand why there may be some differing dates there. Yeah, maybe they had to validate since he had said it was the 27th and it was actually the 26th and, like, correct information on reports. Yeah. So Sergeant Jim Penniston described it as a, quote, craft of unknown origin. Around 4 o'clock a.m., <laughs> police were called, and they said the only lights they saw were from miles away from the Orfordness Lighthouse. Weird. Later that morning, servicemen went into a clearing near the eastern edge of the forest. They found three small impressions in a triangular pattern on the ground. They also found burn marks and broken branches on trees. What the fuck? What does that remind you of? Um, I don't know. What does it remind me of? I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. What is it? The Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh my god, you're right. Right? There were burn marks and broken branches in that. Oh my god, you're that's so creepy. Isn't it? I didn't even think about that. Oh my god, that's weird. Yeah. So around 10.30, police were called again. They were shown the impressions and strange findings, and they thought an animal could have done it. That was kind of their reasoning. Okay, sure. Yeah. Like, the animal set the tree ablaze. And they were just like, let me fuck up some branches. (laughs) Yeah, and then left triangle footprints. Yeah, not an animal. (laughs) So December 28, 1980, in the early a.m., Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt went back to the site again with some servicemen. 
This was again recorded a day off by Holt, who put December 29th in his memo. I find that kind of strange and interesting. Yeah, like, why? Like, why was he off by a day? Yeah, that doesn't, I don't know, it's really, I don't know. Maybe it means nothing, but it's also weird. I know, it made me think a couple different things. It's like, okay, either he, he literally just made a human error. Yeah. And he was off for some reason because he was frazzled. Or was that the actual date it happened and someone's trying to cover it up by saying it happened on a date to explain things away? Right, for like different reasons. Yeah. Or was his time all fucked up because the aliens took him? Oh my God. And like, and his time was skewed. And he was really there for like three days, but it was like an Earth Day. Yes. Oh my God so many things (laughs) so many possibilities yeah so they then took radiation readings off the triangle prince halt and his men they also took readings of the surrounding area they used an an slash pdr 27 which is a standard u.s military radiation survey meter you know standard Just, just the standard tools yeah They detected some small, quote-unquote, bursts of radiation, including one that was over a half a mile away from the site. What the hell? Yeah, and there were numbers recorded in, I believe it was the Wikipedia article, actual numbers, but I was like, this means absolutely nothing to me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I have no idea what this means, so I kind of just summarized it as that. Yeah, that sounds good. That is really fucking weird, though. Like, why would there be a bunch of random bursts of radiation? I don't know. Like, maybe when they shot down the beams? Also present at the Dyatlov Pass incident. True. Little pieces of radiation. Yeah. Weird. Very strange. Very weird. And for whoever doesn't know what we're talking about with that, go back in our episodes because we did cover that. It was a really good one and really fucking creepy at the same time. Yeah, there's a whole lot of information in that thing. Yeah. So the investigation done by Holt and the servicemen was all recorded by Holt on a micro cassette recorder. This later became known as the Holt tape. Hmm. Part of this recording will be played here. Overhead, I can see an opening in the trees plus some freshly... Yeah, definitely. 
left. Keep the flashlights off. There's something very, very strange. Get the headset out and see if it gets any stronger. Okay. Give us, give us your way down. Notation that this is on a beta reading, too. It's on a beta reading? Okay. It still has been removed. Okay. This is falling off it again. But it just moved to the right. Yeah. Off to the right. Strange. Well, what do we tape was released to UFO researchers in 1984. During this investigation, another light was seen, meaning the investigation on the 28th of December. It was east across the field and almost in line with a farmhouse, and it was a flashing light. And this is a quote from Wiki. Quote, the Orfordness lighthouse is visible further to the east in the same line of sight. So that was kind of an argument, again, was that, oh, it could be a light from the lighthouse. Like, it would have been visible from there. Okay, but, like, lighthouses don't flash. Yeah, unless it's, like, they're seeing the spinning of the light every time it hits in a certain spot. Oh, maybe. But why Why wouldn't that have been seen every single time they went out there then? Why right. was it all of a sudden happening on the 28th? Yeah, that's really weird. Was something they were arguing. So the men also saw three star-like lights in the sky during the early morning hours. Two were to the north and one was to the south, about 10 degrees above the horizon. Holt said the brightest one hovered for two to three hours. What the fuck? Why would something just hover? Maybe they were confused about the timing here. (laughs) Yeah, it's two to three hours, but in reality, in alien time, it's like a day. They were just, like, camping out. Or a second. Yeah. Yeah. That is so weird. Yeah. At times, it was also said to beam down light. Oh, my God. And we all know what that means. It means you're going for a ride. It means they're taking those farm animals. (laughs) They're testing some horses. Yeah. Could you imagine? For real, what was happening? Yeah, I don't know. That's creepy. 
The halt tape captured a recording of radiation readings, seeing flashing lights, and the hovering quote-unquote star-like objects. So on his little cassette tape, you can hear him talking about all of that. My God. Researcher Ian Ridpath has since transcribed and analyzed the entirety of the tape. And if you guys want to look into that, feel free. I'm sure you could easily find it if you type into Google, our friend Googs. You know, check him out. Yeah. So we just weren't going to put his whole transcription in this episode. Yeah. So, late December 1980, which was after the incidents, Vince Turkettle, which he was a forest worker, was chopping wood in the Rendlesham Forest when a car pulled up and two men dressed in suits approached him. Oh, my God. I'm already creeped out. Hmm. Hmm. What are these people? The men seemed to be around 30 years old and one had an English accent. They began asking him questions regarding the incidents on the 26th and 28th. Sounds like the FBI to me. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I'm like picturing like men in black. Exactly. That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. They asked if he had been out, uh, out the previous night, if he left his house at all, or if he saw anything. And he said no. This is a quote from Turk Kettle. Quote. They said, oh, there's a report of some red lights in the forest. We're just checking. And two of them, very politely but firmly, asked me probably about 20 questions. I thought they were journalists. They suddenly said, oh, well, fair enough. That's There's probably nothing in it. And then left. That is so fucking sketchy. Mm-hmm. Like, who are these people? Mm-hmm. So this is the rest of the quote. So I brought the papers every day for the next few days to find out what was going on and of course there was nothing and that was a bbc.com um quote so if they were journalists where the fuck was their story right they clearly weren't getting it for like an article or something yeah unless like he didn't provide them with enough information or no one provided them with enough information but i'm sure enough of the servicemen were talking about it as long as they were allowed to, in which case they could have approached them for information. Right. Like, why? Within the next three years, there were stories in the papers and the HALT memo was released by the U.S. government. According to Turk Heddle, U.K. authorities claimed that they didn't know of the incidents until the memo was made public. That is fucking sketchy. Yeah. But the memo wasn't written until two weeks after the men questioned him right so okay first of all these two men approached him in england the one had a british accent Mm -hmm. but the memo itself wasn't written until two weeks after they questioned him yet the you like the uk authorities are claiming they knew nothing about it until this memo was publicized three years later and like these men were very well Could have potentially very well been UK authorities. Yeah. Which is crazy. Potentially. Potentially. So crazy. So who were these mystery men? Men in black? People from the government? Local news reporters? Who knows? Hmm. So some theories. Some witness statements from December 26th. uh, Those sightings that contradicted Holt's theory. So allegedly, Ed Cabinsag said, quote, we figured the lights were coming from past the forest since nothing was visible when we passed through the woody forest. We would see a glowing near the beacon light. But as we got closer, we found it to be a lit up farmhouse. We got to a vantage point where we could determine that what we were chasing was only a beacon light off in the distance. Allegedly, John Burroughs said, quote, we could see a beacon going around, so we went towards it. We followed it for about two miles or three kilometers before we could see it was coming from a lighthouse. So mm. just a couple differing things. Um, and I have something to say about the statements after you finish okay. this, this whole part. Okay. 
so John said that he saw a beacon in the distance in the forest with green, red, orange, and white lights, which is very similar to the story we've heard before. And this is all a BBC.com quote. Quote, as he and his colleagues approached, Mr. Burroughs says they saw a white light silently explode, then a red oval sun-like object in the clearing. It lifted up through the trees and shot backwards towards the coast. That does not sound like a fucking lighthouse to me. No, and that sounds like a UFO if I've ever heard of one. Yeah. That is how do you how I don't understand how Or a light coming from a farmhouse. That's not No. He also reported some noises in his statement, quote, like a woman was screaming, and then also that quote, you could hear the farm animals making a lot of noises, which is very similar to the story we heard earlier. Mm-hmm. Alt had reported hearing similar noises on the December 28th incident. So it sounds very, very familiar and very similar to his story. Yeah. So I think it's interesting and I don't want to elaborate too much because I'm about to read something further. But I think it's interesting that these witness statements suddenly came out, which who knows if these were the actual witness statements right? or if they were edited to fit what needed to be fit or if they were made to think otherwise or convinced otherwise after like, no, that didn't happen. You saw the light of a farmhouse. Right. Because it's really strange that John Burroughs says one thing where it sounds like Something exploded and shot up and lifted through the trees and shot up into the distance. In one breath, he's saying that. And in another breath, he's saying it was coming from a lighthouse. Right. He's like, oh, no, wait. It was just we followed it and it was a lighthouse. Yeah. So were they made to change their statements? Were their statements changed? Were Was it contradicting or did they just like change their opinion? Right. So, elaborating a little more, however, even though Burroughs said that, he has also made other statements regarding the incident in his new book, Weaponization of an Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So, I don't, that's another thing that, and I'm not, I'm not going after him. I'm just trying to understand how you went from, yeah. Saying one thing to saying it was a lighthouse to now writing books on your experience about an aerial phenomenon. Right. Like, whatever. That I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. So here's a quote. And these are actually all quoted statements made from BBC.com. So this is what he said. Quote, they were studying the energy field for different applications to include military use. Quote. Mr. Burroughs claims the lighthouse was emitting EM, which is electromagnetic, frequencies towards Rendlesham Forest. Quote, I never went on the record to say it was a spaceship because I didn't know. (laughs) Which is also contradicting what he said, because although he didn't say it as a spaceship, in his one statement, he said it was a lighthouse. If you didn't know, you wouldn't say it was anything. I'm so confused by all of his statements. I know. Or it's like, was he made or convinced to say something? And then later on, once it all came out to the public, he's like, okay, I want to come out and say what I actually want to say. I feel like I want to say the truth. Yeah. And another quote from him was, or from the uh, BBC.com, quote, What he saw was some sort of energy or quote-unquote plasma, which could be a form of intelligence. Weird. Yeah. Some theorize that the noises could have been made by muntjac deer. What the heck is that? I have no fucking clue. Apparently, they can have a really shrill sound, which would, I guess, be the sound of the screaming woman that they thought they were hearing. But I think you could probably tell the difference between a human screaming and an animal it's a small to medium-sized deer and that's all it says astronomers and skeptics have said that the star-like lights could have been bright stars Mm -hmm. 
And this is a quote from Wiki, quote, misinterpretations of bright stars distorted by atmospheric and optical effects. Like Another quote, the brightest of them to the south match the position of Sirius, the brightest star in the night sky. So. I feel like you'd know the difference between a bright light and a star, though. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. As mentioned, police theorized that the light could have came from the lighthouse and the prints found could have been an animal such as rabbit diggings. What? <laughs> That's what they surmised that it was, was rabbit diggings. No. Who investigated this? Just saying. Vince Turkettle, which was the man who was questioned in the forest, was actually one of the first people to suggest the theory of the Orf- Orfordness lighthouse. Mm. Skeptics have also attributed the lights to a fireball. Fireball. <laughs> and then Pitbull comes out and does his little air hump. <laughs> With his glasses and bulky. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually brought here that night in 1980 by the aliens. <laughs> And he's saying fireball for them. Yeah. The December 26th sighting at 3 o'clock matched up with the appearance of a bright fireball over southern England. (laughs) What exactly is a fireball? (laughs) I saw a green fireball with Kate the one night. Oh, yeah, you said that. a fucking UFO. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's the difference? I I don't exactly know, but part of me when I read this was wondering... Hmm. Is that why he said it was the 27th originally and they said it was the 26th because they wanted it to match up with this fireball theory? Oh. Because Maybe. there actually was an appearance of a fireball apparently in England that night. Weird. Maybe. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. Another theory was that it was a down Soviet spy satellite. There was no evidence of this, but writer Brenda Butler co-wrote a book in 1986 about the incident called Sky Crash. And she believes in this theory, stating, quote, it has got to be something to do with the Americans or the Russians or the Cold War. There are loads of files still to be released, but there has been such a big cover up. Nobody will ever know what happened. I'd like to get to the bottom of it all, but I guess we never will. And that was a quote from BBC.com. That is so creepy. Yeah. Oh, imagine how many things the government knows that we don't. Like, that's so scary. There's a lot we don't know. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm nervous laughing right now. I'm not laughing that that that's a fact. It gave me the chills. Yeah. Another theory was that it was all a hoax. So BBC reporter uh, reported that former U.S. security policeman Kevin Cond admitted to creating the strange lights. They said that he drove around the forest in a police car with modified lights. (laughs) (laughs) Why Why would he do that? There's no actual evidence of this, by the way. But um, yeah. Like, a security policeman had nothing else better to do with his time. He's like, I'm going to modify my lights and trick these people into thinking there's a UFO. All right, look, let me add some orange lights to my car and make people think that I have a UFO. (laughs) Did he modify it to levitate and fly into the universe? That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) What did he build? (laughs) He made it into a hovercraft. (laughs) He's actually very advanced for his time. (laughs) Yeah. It was one. It was actually one of those government things that we don't know about. (laughs) Only Kevin knows. Yeah, Kevin was able to fly to Mars that night. (laughs) But it's a giant secret. (laughs) Holt believes that he saw a UFO or extraterrestrial, like we had mentioned earlier, and he then thinks the event was covered up, which we've talked about. And he went on to record again in 2010 to state this. So that's another theory of kind of what happened here. Whatever happened, some elements of the original sighting on December 26th have not been fully explained. 
2001, mm. the government released files showing that the Ministry of Defense, or MOD, investigated the incident, but no actions were taken beyond the investigation that we know of. Mm. So, who knows? Maybe there is stuff after that, but who knows? I mean, it took them three to four years to release anything to the public. Right. like Under the Freedom know? of Information Act. And, like, how do we know there's not more? Right. Or if they never investigated it further because they're like, oh, we already know what this is. Yeah. Weird. The Rendlesham Forest incident has become, quote, one of the most famous reported UFO events in history and has garnered the nickname of Britain's Roswell, a nod to the well-known UFO incident that took place in New Mexico in 1947. And that was a quote from history.co.uk. Oh, I have the chills. I know. Just remember that we did cover the Roswell incident a little bit in one of our episodes. Mm-hmm. That is so creepy. Mm-hmm. That it's that well-known. To be honest, I had never heard of it before we did this case. Like, imagine how many, like, alien UFO stories there are out there. Right. And this is, like, a massively popular one in UK. Crazy. Many books, TV shows, and articles have been created regarding this incident. The Forestry Commission created a UFO trail in the Rendlesham Forest, and there was also a model created of what the servicemen said they saw. So this was, like, huge. So you can go visit that. That's crazy. That's insane. And, of course, they they turn it into a – I'm sorry, what? I wonder what they named the trail. (laughs) Probably the Rendlesham Forest Trail. I don't know. UFO. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. But, of course, they did something to monetize on that. I know, right? Like, even though they say it's, like, nothing happened there. They're like, we can make money off of it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's insane. insane i love alien stories i think they're so crazy and cool i know i think it's crazy too how this kind of stuff not always but frequently happens around military bases right like it just makes you think that there's so much you don't know Mm -hmm. like why is it happening there storm area 51 (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i forgot about that that was fucking crazy oh hysterical all right since this case is a little bit on the shorter side we are going to read a listener story yay this story was submitted by laura thank you so much yeah it's it's five pages long so bear with me i'm excited if i mumble over my words (laughs) all right I've been wanting to share a story of an amazing horse that not only made me confident, he opened doors to myself I did not think possible. He was a bay, chocolate brown horse with a white blaze and one white sock. He was in the back of the horse dealer's trailer being passed over several times. Because he wasn't the flashiest or youngest, he raised his head and looked directly into my mom's eyes, pleading to let him prove what he can do. Sure enough, he just about ran himself into our trailer without our help. We found out quickly why nobody wanted him. He was not 15 like the dealer told us, more like around 25. Well, that's a big fucking difference. That's horrible. Especially for a horse. Yeah. Only problem was he had paralysis in his jaw and also had an eye condition called moon blindness. Despite all of this, he still had so much joy in jumping. Even though he always hit the last jump, we sadly quit that and switched to a slightly safer discipline where we could remain with all four feet on the ground. However, this old man made us aware of his thoughts on this, and we were asked how young he was at the time 32. Hence our trainer's new name for him, Pistol Pete. After that, we just decided to give him the retirement from showing he deserved. I only rode him once in a while after that. I started riding our new horse and was doing really well. 
I got into this cocky mindset that every horse rode the same and failed to realize that was false. (laughs) With that, one day, mom and I decided to ride together. She was on her younger green horse, Blake. And for everyone who doesn't know, a green horse is like a horse with like less training. Newer. Thank you for explaining that because I had no idea. You're welcome. (laughs) And I rode Troy, my older horse. As I'm strapping on my helmet, I notice Troy not letting me on by the mounting block, something he rarely did. But eventually, he did let me on. This was him telling me he physically was not certain he wanted to ride. Of course, I ignored this, thinking it's nothing, just ride around. This was also when he started getting fussy, strike two. Yes, me still ignoring and listening to the signs in front of me, strike three, was when I had decided to try and jump over a small jump despite him already saying no. When I pushed him to jump, he tried to overjump it. To avoid me from leaning on him with half my weight, I accidentally placed my hands on his blocked nerve, which caused him to react in pain and buck. I went flying headfirst into the sand, knocking me unconscious. Holy shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Mom was on Blake at the other side of the riding ring. When she turned around, she saw me on the ground not moving. She attempted an emergency dismount, but she got her boot stuck as she was swinging her leg over Blake's neck. She ended up falling straight down on her butt, tweaking her back. She crawled to my side. She told me later that Blake had managed to calm my horse down and was standing with him till my neighbors arrived. At the end of the day, I suffered from a concussion, dislocated jaw, Road rash on my cheek, chewed up my lip, whiplash, and a shoulder strain. Wow. Jesus. My poor mom sadly had the worst pain with a slipped disc. That night, I was recuperating from my concussion. I saw my Uncle Bart's spirit at the end of the hall on my way back to my room. I believe he was watching out for me and making sure I was all right. It took me several weeks to get better, But that's not what hurt the most. What hurt more was that my best friend, my bay horse, would not look at me and the realization of trust I broke. I did eventually end up healing that with him, and he taught me the most valuable lesson I will never forget. Your ego will catch up to you and bite you in the butt. Also has no place in the saddle. Troy retired fully and happily on our farm, teaching me the skill of communicating with animals and showing me that no matter what life hands you, you get up and never ever give up sadly in 2015 we lost troy to heart failure three or four months after we lost our show horse jack my mom and i had to make the hard decision to help him cross his heart oh my god animals get me all the time i can't so sad his heart was slowly being crushed into his chest despite this he had a shiny coat and held his head high till his last breath After his passing, I went into a deep depression and started snapping at my parents, putting on this fake smile, saying I I was fine, but having anxiety attacks behind closed doors. Troy once came to me in a dream to calm me. I vowed to never ride again. Till my mom, trainer, and good friend literally dragged me out to see a chestnut mare. I remember walking down the barn aisle expecting nothing would work out. Till I walked up to this chestnut mare with a white blaze and white feet. She put her head in my arm and magically put that light back into my eyes and a smile from ear to ear. A real genuine smile. I all about jumped onto her and was cantering, trotting, even doing a fancy move I didn't know how to do. (laughs) She, like Troy, just about leaped into our trailer. I without a doubt knew exactly who to thank for sending her to me. My two boys, Jack and Troy. Troy has occasionally visited me since, along with Jack. Aww. That's so sweet. One night when I was feeding my three current horses is when I finally had my first spirit visit from Troy. Aww. Aww. I was opening the gate for the three of them to walk to their stalls. While I was closing their stalls and sweeping up for the night, I heard the sound of another horse coming through the mud. Confused, I turned around thinking I miscounted my horses inside. Nope, all three were happily eating hay. My next thought was, crap, a bear, I gotta shut the doors. Then I realized why it sounded like a horse. That's when I just knew it was my boy. This was confirmed by our animal psychic. 
She relayed that Troy was very happy and proud I had started taking classes with her, learning and expanding my gifts. Oh. Oh, that's so nice. I love that. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. That was so sweet, and I'm happy he came to you. Yeah. We're big animal people on this podcast. (laughs) We get very emotional, okay? Yeah. Oh, well, that was really sweet. Thank you so much for sending that in. Yeah. I think that's wonderful, too, that they're already – like, you know that they're around you and they're presenting themselves to you. And whether you see them in spirit or not, dreams are a visitation. Right. And you could still feel their presence and know they're there without physically seeing them. Yeah. Oh, my God. How sweet. I love that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes. Anything else to add in before our spiel? Um, I don't think so. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No. I think that about sums it up. I want to leave it on that nice note. Me too. So our spiel before we leave for the week is like we're going on a trip. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Bye. We're going to Mexico. Um, So our our spiel is uh, go to our Facebook, which we post weekly uh, on our our, for our resources for every episode and pictures of every episode you can check back to to see previous episodes that we had covered and then we also have our instagram they're both crime cults and coffee and our instagram is where we post the coffees that we've reviewed and things like drew molinari's gofundme um just take a look at both of them if you ever want to get a little bit more info about our podcast or the coffees that we review we also put shout outs on on our instagram of things that we talk about in our episodes yes and we also have a little highlight for i i put it as lovin because anytime our listeners post or mourners whatever you guys want to call yourself (laughs) post things and tag us i put it in there because we're obsessed yes So if you want to give a case suggestion or a listener story like the one we read today, you can DM us at Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram or send us an email at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com. Also, please make sure to leave us a rate and review if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it and you'll get free stickers. Free stickies. Yeah. Who can turn up a free sticky? And one of them is holographic. It's really fucking cool. We have not sold them on Instagram, on our Instagram store or on the website yet. My brother still has his on the back of his phone. (laughs) Yeah. They are a fan favorite for the people who have given us a review. And um, if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can follow or subscribe to our podcast on any other podcasting platform of your choice yes and until next week bye guys bye don't get abducted or do (laughs) or do regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook